Welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, the Superman of background acting here in Atlanta, Georgia. Just kidding. I like to pretend I'm someone I'm not because, hey, that's what acting is, right? I may be super. I may be a man. I may be a Superman, but I'm not Superman. All kidding aside, I do believe I know enough to help you get started or advance your career in this field. In this episode, I'm going to talk about three things. Fittings, COVID tests, and non-disclosure agreements, also called NDAs. That's N as in Nancy, D as in David, A as in Apple, and S as in Sam. Oh, that English alphabet. Half the letters sound identical, so we have to spell things out this way. Sometimes I do this on the phone when someone asks me if I can spell my name. Well, of course I can. What they really mean is, will I spell my name for them? I'll do even better. Without warning, I will speak 12 words, the first letters of which spell out my last name. And by the time their brain catches up, it's too late. I'm already on the Robert Oscar Peter part, and then I have to explain to them what the heck I'm doing and start all over again. Sorry for the diversion. Fittings, 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 they're pretty straightforward. Before you arrive to the job, they have to determine what you'll be wearing. There are two approaches to this. They will either decide they're going to outfit you from head to toe, which typically happens for a period piece, or they'll describe the outfits they're looking for with words and photos and ask you to bring your own things. And they'll always ask you to bring multiple outfits so they can look at them all and choose what's best. Sometimes it's a mix of what you bring plus some things from wardrobe. Once decided, they'll take pictures of you so they have a record of the look, and then that look gets approved by someone higher up in the food chain. Sometimes they have to make adjustments, that is, take in or take out the clothing to fit. Always, always, always let them know if something doesn't fit. The worst situation is to be in uncomfortable shoes for 12 hours and have sore feet at the end of the day. I learned the hard way by bringing stylish Puma sneakers a size too small to a fitting, and then I suffered through the filming, but it was my own damn fault. There are pros and cons to each of these wardrobe approaches. The great thing about wearing your own clothing is that it saves you time on the day of the job. You don't have to get changed at the start and end of the day. You'll learn quickly enough that it's all about efficiency. The more quickly you can get in and get out, the better. Before COVID, there were typically changing tents set up, one for men, one for women, where people could concurrently change. But with COVID, I've seen only single-use tents that have to be disinfected after each use. Depending on the number of tents and background, this can easily add 45 minutes to an hour at both ends of the day just to get changed. And you may have other things to wear, such as props that are typically provided by a different department. For example, on the Suicide Squad, we were dressed as soldiers, but then had props give us vests and fake guns. And then makeup put fake dirt all over our faces and hands. What a mess. The pro to wearing the production company's wardrobe is you don't have to carry your things there and worry about losing and or damaging them. It all belongs to them. It's not a choice you make, but just be aware that it could go either way, depending on the job. What I do when bringing my own clothing is I never wear my outfit to the job because it wrinkles in the car. I travel as comfortably as possible in gym shorts, a t-shirt, a hoodie, running shoes, and running tights in the winter, all of which I can easily get out of to change. At the end of the day, I skip the change back to the gym clothes and just drive home in whatever I wore for the shoe, my own clothes. 
If they're providing the wardrobe, I still wear the gym stuff and have to put it back on, but it's quick and easy to get in and out of. Plus, if you're worried about your stuff getting lost or stolen, you don't want to be wearing anything nice or valuable there. On my first day on Ozark, I lost a polo shirt amid the confusion of leaving at 11pm. The red notice job was interesting in this respect. We were told we'd be fitted for all four of the scenes, but in reality, our wardrobe consultations on the phone led to a request to bring multiple looks for each scene. Along with everything else I needed to live in a hotel for two months, I ended up bringing a tuxedo, two suits, three casual outfits, eight pairs of shoes, and two jackets. I wore only 10% of it. It was a total mess. I'm always happier when I get it right, when wardrobe loves everything I brought them, and they just need to make small tweaks. This never happens, but at the end of Red Notice, they let us keep our tuxedos. It was such a nice surprise, since my 20-year-old tuxedo had become too baggy to wear, and now I had a new one, for free. Underground Railroad had the most difficult wardrobe because it was period clothing from a prior century. We had pants and suspenders and vests and overcoats and boots to wear. The pants had no flies, so going to the bathroom was difficult. Trying to remove the suspenders so you could pull the pants down to go number two was even more fun. The women had it much worse with corsets and hoop skirts. So ladies, be prepared. You're going to want tennis shoes on the day of if they have you wearing heels or big fuzzy slippers that look like bunny rabbits. Final word, despite what you're wearing on set, dress appropriately for the time of year. You're likely to be in a holding tent outside in the middle of winter with space heaters working feverishly to keep you warm. Some people bring blankets, but a good winter coat will do. In some, bring layers so you can add and subtract as needed. Welcome back. As of December 2020, we're still in a global pandemic and vaccinations are just beginning. So COVID testing is rampant. You'll most likely need one of these. I have yet to see a production that doesn't require a COVID test before you're allowed to work on it. For a one-day job, it's probably a single test, either rapid or PCR, the results of which take a few days, so the test will most likely not be the day before the job. For longer stints, you may be tested several times throughout the work schedule to ensure you're still testing negative. I have a project running January to March that requires me to test on several days, work on other days, and both test and work on a third set of days. This makes the whole process more complicated, but until we're all vaccinated, it's what we have to do. I've been tested over 75 times this year, primarily because Red Notice tested us every day we worked and twice on Wednesdays. Note that the safety protocols on set are a completely different animal, and you're not likely to get a lot of information on this up front. So if you're extremely risk-averse and don't know how to protect yourself, you may want to stay home and avoid background acting altogether. Having worked on the Netflix film Red Notice and having lived in a bubble for it, I have firsthand experience with the extreme version of safety I experienced there, and I carried that knowledge with me, which means that regardless of what a production company implements on set, it's up to me to protect myself. That means lots of hand sanitizer, social distancing, a K95 mask and face shield until the minute the cameras roll, and then it all goes back on immediately. If any production asks me to remove any of these protections, I put my safety first and leave. That's something you should give some thought to before working background jobs and know where you'll draw your own line in the sand. It's really no one's job to protect you. You have to protect yourself.
Let's talk about NDAs, which is short for non-disclosure agreements. Production companies take great pains to keep information about the show or film a secret until it's released. They don't want you talking to anyone about what you're doing, where and when it's happening, or anything about the plot line. It's a big secret they take great pains to protect, and that includes not taking pictures as well. This all falls into the NDA you'll be asked to sign. It's basically a contract that says you won't do any of this. You agree to not disclose, or else. I'm sure people don't read these, and I don't know of anyone who's been sued for breaching the contract, but know that one, you'll be asked to sign one, two, they'll expect you to adhere to it, and three, they have lawyers who can probably easily sue you if you breach the contract. Now that everyone has a cell phone camera in their hand, this is more difficult to enforce. I've seen three approaches for how to address the picture part of it. One, take cell phones away. Marvel puts your phone into a neoprene holder and locks it with one of those anti-theft devices you see on clothing in stores. You get to keep your phone on you, but you can't get to it. The Suicide Squad took them away from us, but we got to use them on breaks and during meals. Two, cover your cell phone camera with tape. I've had this done a few times and worried that the tape would somehow dirty the lens, but I don't think that was an issue. Three, let you bring cell phones on set and remind you to not take pictures. And four, let you bring cell phones with you and take pictures, but not of anything on set or of anyone in costume or of anything that would indicate where you are and what you're working on. In this case, if you do snap some, they're expecting you to keep them on your phone and not post anything on social media. This works fairly well for the most part. The last option is the riskiest for them and you and the most confusing because if you do take pictures, there's some ambiguity in what's allowed and what's not. We had this in place on Red Notice. After a few weeks, our PA told us he was getting emails from those above him saying people were posting inappropriate photos on Facebook and that he had names. But I don't think he pulled anyone aside to address them directly. Instead, he just warned us to remove the photos. But we were all left wondering, is he referring to me? And if so, what pictures is he talking about? I had a colleague reach out to me the next day to confirm I had heard the speech. She identified some Instagram posts I had made that showed the studio name and the production name. So I had to review them all and remove some. On the Facebook platform, I did something easier. I set the security on the album so that only I can see it. When the movie gets released, all I have to do is change that setting to make it visible to everyone. It was just easier to post these each day as I took them, and there was no way I was going to sit down and post all of these a year from now. When I body doubled on Red Notice for one of the characters, our PA Mike watched Sebastian take pictures of me in costume. He made it very clear that if those left my phone and showed up on social media, there would be people hunting me down. Mike's an Italian from Brooklyn, so his warning had a very mob-esque feel to it. I told him I wouldn't, and I'm a man of my word. But the pictures were taken by Sebastian on his phone, and I have no control over what he does with them. I did get my hand officially slapped just once. After filming Wally's Wonderland like an idiot, I took selfies and then posted them and then tagged them with the movie's name. What was I thinking? It was one of those rare moments when an intelligent person does something so stupid that you just have to wonder. I'd fallen victim to spontaneous stupidity. Hilton Casting called me and asked me to remove the photos. Like a dog with his tail between his legs, I meekly apologized for the misbehavior. I'll never do that again. It was mortifying. 
Given how boring most of these jobs are, and by that I mean you're sitting around waiting for hours, you're very lucky if they let you keep your phone because it's something to keep you occupied and pass the time. Make the most of this little computer in your hand. Don't abuse that privilege by violating your NDA. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. This is kind of an off-the-wall topic, but I thought I'd cover it while it's still fresh in my mind. I'm going to call this the moral dilemma. Um, and it's really about finding yourself in a situation that you didn't really expect and being uncomfortable about it, but not so uncomfortable that you leave the set and decide that you're not going to do what you committed to do. This has only happened once in all of my acting gigs over the past year, but it left a big enough impression that I wanted to talk about it and let people be aware that it could happen to them as well. It was on the set of Underground Railroad in January of 2020, and the TV show takes place during the time of slavery in the States. And so it was very, very odd um, to be put in that kind of situation and not really be ready for it, um, be it what we had to listen to and what we had to see being on the set when it was being filmed. We were given a bit of a warning, um, but that wasn't really enough for me personally. So it was just kind of unnerving and shocking to be in a situation where you saw people portraying slaves being treated in a way that made you very, very uncomfortable. So I can't imagine um, what it would have been like in that time, although it wasn't politically incorrect um, at the time of slavery, but it was just really, really strange and uncomfortable to listen to that. And we know it was just acting and people were saying their lines, but it felt really weird to hear them because you don't hear that in your everyday life. And when you do hear it, you just kind of cringe and feel bad inside and it kind of makes you sick. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw it out there and let people know um, when you sign up for things, you're probably not going to have any idea um, what the scene is or what the dialogue is. And so just be prepared. You might end up in a situation that makes you very uncomfortable. And I don't know how all these productions run. Um, if they're like Underground Railroad was, they will give you some kind of warning. They might even, um, I don't know, let you step out if you're not comfortable doing it. Um, there have been plenty of situations where um, we have been given the opportunity to not participate in the scene if we didn't feel comfortable doing what they asked us to do. Um, I don't recall that happening in this case, but it was still very, very kind of unnerving and disturbing um, at the time to hear that and see that. And it definitely left an impression on me that I won't forget anytime soon.
was the night before filming and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a person sitting by their phone until 11 o'clock waiting for that final email to come in. You know a lot about the job you accepted, but not everything. You need those final details, but you sometimes don't get them until the very last minute. This is primarily because exact call times may not be set until the day's work has finished. Here's what you can expect to get the day or night before. There are four main things. First, the call time. Not everyone will have the same call time. It's done in stages so that everyone isn't showing up at once. And it's typically by role, so know what role you're playing. Second, the exact address with the map and directions. I always plug this into Waze the night before and tell it when I need to be there so it can tell me when I have to leave. I always pad this with 15 extra minutes. Third, the parking instructions. Sometimes you park in one place and get shuttled somewhere else. You won't always know this, so you can't really factor in the time it takes for the shuttle to get you where you need to be. Another reason to pad your travel with 15 minutes. And fourth, where to go when you get there. In other words, who to look for and where to walk to. It's a lot of information put into an email with pictures and maps, and it's usually in multiple fonts and colors, so it sort of looks like a ransom note. Oh, and just to confirm you got it and read it, they often ask you to reply with something along the lines of, my name is DJ and I got the email and I read it and will not be late tomorrow, as if we're 12 year olds. I guess for them it's like herding cats and they have to be sure all the cats know where to be and what to do because they're ultimately responsible for us showing up. Be a responsible adult. We don't wanna make the casting company look bad. Finally, what to bring with you. The most important thing is two forms of identification so you can prove who you are when you fill out the tax paperwork. Some companies will not let you work without this and so try to collect it during the fitting instead. Here's a list of what I bring. A knapsack to carry my things around. Books and magazines to read. Coffee in a temperature controlled bottle and or drinks. You'll get a lot of bottled water on the set, but if you prefer something else, bring your own. My own snacks. You'll have no control over how often you can go to Crafty for snacks, and really no control over when they give you a meal if they do. My keto diet makes most of their snacks inedible. I always bring aspirin and Pepto-Bismol as well. There's usually a medic on set, but you can't always easily find them. Hand sanitizer. That goes without saying. Any clothing I've agreed to wear. And a camping chair. Many holding areas don't have enough seating, and unless you want to be sitting on the floor or standing for hours, a camping chair is your best friend. Even if they have chairs, they're not going to be as comfortable. But be warned that some productions will discourage you from bringing them due to space constraints. Finally, I wear layers of clothing to keep warm and comfortable shoes. Here's a recap of today's episode. You did your fitting and know exactly what you're wearing. You took and passed your COVID test. You read the final email thoroughly and know exactly where to go and when to be there. You've packed your knapsack with everything you'll need and set two alarms just to be sure you don't oversleep. That's it. You're off to your first background job. Enjoy the experience and have fun with it. You'll meet lots of interesting people, collect some new friends, and make indelible memories of your first ever background gig. 
In my next episode, I'll talk about what to expect on the set itself and how things work once you get there. You'll be green, but it's nice to know enough in advance to not look like such a newbie. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.